Hello, and welcome to the Evocate Podcast. My name is Dr. Matthew Lynch, and I'm here alongside my co-host, Dr. Alfred Boyd. Today, we're going to do our first podcast, and the topic of our podcast is Eight Key Attributes of Successful Teachers in the Digital Age. Regardless of where you go in the world, teachers are the backbone of the education system. Without quality teachers, school districts cannot provide students with the skills that they need to be successful academically. Without teachers, the next generation will not be able to compete in the global economy. These are sureties, and I doubt that you will find anyone to disagree. If you've been studying in the field of education closely, as I have, you know that there is an undergoing metamorphosis. Students no longer respond to the teacher-centered pedagogy that our forefathers used. No, today's students are immersed in a technology-enriched world and possess attention spans that last only a few seconds. Because of this, teachers need to add a new skill set to their repertoire to be successful. In today's podcast, we will discuss eight attributes that successful digital teachers possess. Without further ado, we're going to start with attribute one. Digital age teachers don't use expensive textbooks. What do I mean by that? Back when I was going to school, textbooks were pretty expensive. Schools spent anywhere from $100 to $200 on a single textbook for a K-12 student. When you got to college, as a student, you still spent more than $100 to $200 on a textbook. So in order to mitigate this, digital age teachers don't use expensive textbooks. They go to the internet and they find a wealth of OERs, Open Education Resources, which are free education textbooks, curriculums, lesson plans, activities that are free to the public. Also, nowadays, a school district can purchase a $100, $200, $300 iPad or tablet device for each student and then load different learning activities and apps onto that device and use that as a digital textbook. So if you spend $200, $300 on an actual tablet or laptop, you can maybe only spend $100, $200 per student on apps and tools, and you will be good to go. So for about $500, each student will have all of the activities and curriculum and textbooks and learning activities that they need for their entire year on one device. They can transport it from home to school, school to home, and everybody's happy. What do you think about that, Dr. Boyd? Um, I'm a proponent of textbooks. I don't think they need to necessarily be done away with. I think they should be used in conjunction with software and technology. When you said buying them, um, that schools could buy tablets and computers, they could also load textbooks 
on the devices as well. As well. Did you, what are some alternatives to textbooks that you use when you talk? Well, as I just mentioned, OERs, Open Education Resources. There were a wealth of open education resources that you could use to actually supplement your curriculum, supplement your lesson plans and your learning activities. The only issue back then when I started in 2001 and when I ended in 2008 was the fact that most school districts that I worked for had pacing guides, which meant they had a curriculum that everybody had to follow for the entire year. And that curriculum was tied to a textbook. So because of that, I was married to the textbook in a way, but I still use the OERs to kind of supplement things. You said the curriculum was tied to the textbook in a way. So that mean does that mean that that you couldn't couldn't use any outside resources? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that with the pacing guide and the textbook that was connected to it, I had to show fidelity to these materials and these documents first, but I still knew that students needed various other soft skills in addition to what was going to be taught on high stakes tests at the end of the year. Because think about it, the textbook and the pacing guide were all tied to students passing a high stakes test at the end of the year in order to meet the requirements of No Child Left Behind. Oh, okay. Anything else on that? Mm, No, not at all. All right, let's move on. The second attribute of digital age teachers is they know how to prevent high tech cheating. Now, If you remember back in the day, Dr. Boyd, I mean, prior to 1996, when I graduated, and I think you graduated, what, 94, 95? Yeah. Well, the way we cheated was we took a sheet of paper. We had the answers on that sheet of paper. We slipped it under our test, and we did that as a a means of actually cheating. Or if the teacher left the room, we would literally exchange answers, or we would look on other people's papers. And I'm not saying I cheated. No, I wouldn't cheat. I'm a oh, come on. But nowadays, wow. I mean, the stakes have gotten so much higher. I mean, you yourself, you love your Apple Watch. You love all of your devices, your your laptop, your your tablet, and such. But these particular technologies are now being used to cheat. Students are bringing their cell phones, their tablets, their laptops. Their Apple watches to class. And when it's time for an exam, they use these different technologies to cheat. However, if you're a savvy teacher, you just take all that away. And during actual exams, you don't allow students to use technology. If they need some sort of calculator in order to um, do advanced calculus or trigonometry, hey, we give them old-fashioned calculators like we had back in the day. Whether we're talking about run-of-the-mill calculators that you can buy for a couple of dollars at Walmart or the high-tech scientific calculators, which you also have to be on the lookout for. So what do you think? Um, I think also you need to look at, um, besides cheating on tests, cheating on assignments. Okay. So the use of different software to make sure or monitor originality of assignments, such as writing like Copyscape and TurnItIn.com. Those are very good apps that a teacher could use to monitor the originality of their students' writing. Because in most cases, in the digital age, the majority of the students that 
of cheating that's going on is plagiarism. That's and I know you've seen your instances of plagiarism uh, in your years of teaching. Say that again. I said, I know you've had your instances of plagiarism in your teaching years. Yeah, of course. And also when I was a professor, thankfully, once I became a professor, technology was available free of charge, not only for students, but also for teachers. So that was a way to allow students to submit their assignments via Turnitin, and I could be assured of its originality. If you're on a budget in K-12 or higher ed and you don't have access to Turnitin, there are a lot of other low-cost or no-cost plagiarism checkers that you can use. So I think that's a very good point. And I, you can also just use Google. Take a paragraph, put it in the Google search, and see if it comes back. Google, Google. And it costs the, nothing. The poor man's plagiarism checker. Cool. It, it costs nothing. It costs nothing. Paid no mind. But look, we ready to move on? Yeah. All right. Attribute number three, digital age teachers are not afraid of technology. You know, there's this misconception that older teachers, middle career teachers are just afraid of technology. They won't commit to using technology. They won't embrace technology. They won't essentially do all they can do in order to move into the 21st century. But that's not actually true. I tell you what, digital age teachers run towards technology. They are constantly looking for new technologies that they can actually use in the classroom to help their students reach their potential and technologies that they can use to become more efficient. So contrary to popular belief, digital age teachers are not afraid of technology. They embrace it. They love it. Back to you. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about it. You know, education today is light years ahead of where it was when we first taught, both in pedagogy as well as in technology. And thinking back to the your first year teaching, how did you use technology in your first years as a teacher? In my first years as a teacher, we didn't have a lot of technology. I started back in 2001. The only thing we had were overhead projectors. There were some interactive smart boards and interactive whiteboards that were starting to make their way into the market. But because we lived in a high poverty area, we just didn't have the monies or access um, to technology. So other than VCRs and overhead projectors and an occasional smart board or other interactive device, we didn't have a lot of technology. We had computer labs for students, but if you were lucky, maybe you would see one or two computer labs in an entire elementary school or middle school or high school. So we didn't have a lot of technology. Um, I'm kind of where you were as far as technology is concerned. Um, but I do remember having a website I used to assign my students to do work on. Um, it was called USA something. 
and I would assign the students to go on and do some assignments on. I go in and check it, and it worked pretty well. And they actually had games that I used in the classroom when I had cooperative grouping going on. We used to do center rotations. Yes, I did centers in high school, and my administrators used to look at me, um, look at my classroom as if something was wrong when they saw high school students, you know, sitting in groups and rotating every 15 minutes. But that's um, one of the main memories I have with using technology was using that USA website and rotating my students in centers. Today's episode is being brought to you by Behave Yourself Johnny, the world's most comprehensive behavior management software. To request a free demo, visit www.behaveyourselfjohnny.com. This isn't a real ad, and there's no education company named Behave Yourself Johnny, but the preceding ad space could be filled by your company and a unique ad about your products and services. To find out more, email us at advocatefored at gmail.com. So let's go on to attribute number four. Digital age teachers learn new tech from a student's perspective first. Usually when you demo a new technology, a new app, a new tool, a new device, new ed tech, that's what I'm talking about. You demo it from a teacher's perspective. However, you may be missing the mark a bit. Why? Because you still don't understand how this particular software works from a student's viewpoint, vantage point, or perspective. So although it's very important to demo new tech from an educator's perspective, when you're done demoing from an educator's perspective, take time, sit down, and demo it from a student's perspective. How is the navigation for students? Is it fun and engaging for students? Is it easy for them to communicate with the teacher or with their parents? Is it easy for them to use outside of the classroom or can they use it outside of the classroom? Can they easily, easily submit assignments? Is it something that they could see themselves using for years to come? Is it something that can grow with them? There are, those are some of the things that you want to think about when you're demoing that new tech from a student's perspective. And one thing you missed, you missed is the purpose. Make sure the technology does what it's supposed to do. If it's a software that's used for assessment, does it assess what it's supposed to assess? If it's a software that's meant to entertain the students or edutain the students, does it edutain them or are they just sitting there bored after a few minutes? So it's very important that you go in to the website and give it a good run through and make sure it does what it's supposed to do because most websites say they do certain things, but they don't actually deliver on those promises. Your thoughts, Matthew? Well, first of all, first of all, I want to say that I don't miss anything. I haven't missed anything since 1988. <laughs> I was 10 years old. I missed a math problem. Matter of fact, I was distracted by this lovely young girl. So that, that's incorrect. What was your question again? 
Matthew, I, I've seen you play basketball. I've seen you miss a couple of shots over the years. So you of missed course, me. of course. I'm just you jesting, but what was your question? Um, what are your thoughts about assessing as far as purposes, the purpose of a website or the purpose of software? Oh, of course. The 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 purpose of the software must align with the the skills that you're trying to teach your students. It must align with the curriculum. It must align with the academic profile that you want every student to have once they leave your classroom. So purpose is very important. Buying tech just for tech's sake is not a good idea. Nowadays, there's just too many tech companies with these trendy products that have virtual reality components or steeped in neuroscience, have artificial intelligence, but they don't really bring anything useful to the table. If it doesn't differentiate instruction, if it hasn't been proven to close a learning gap, then I don't want it. Right. Here, here. Let's move on to number five. Digital age teachers don't bring their prejudice into the classroom. You know, as teachers, we're human beings. I mean, we've been brought up a certain way. We've been taught certain things. We've developed quite a personality over the years. We're also very pedantic. We want everything in this neat little row. We want students to behave themselves. We expect for them to have the same behaviors and values that we have and that we hold dear. But that's not the case. America's classroom is becoming increasingly diverse. You're having students of all different races and nationalities and ethnicities and cultures and socioeconomic statuses and disabilities and sexual orientations coming together. So you have to be able to not necessarily agree with everything that you see or all of the attributes or all the behaviors, but you can't marginalize or treat students different or exclude them because of their beliefs or their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or the concepts or ideas that they hold dear. You got to commit to bridging the gap not just with all of your students, but also their families. You have to take the time to become partners with the student's parents. And if they believe that you're prejudiced, that you don't like them because they're African-Americans, you don't like them because they speak a different language, you don't like them because they're a different religion, you don't like us because we're two men who's raising a young boy, you don't like us because we're two women who identify as lesbian that's raising a young girl, you have to put all that to the side and build that bridge, become a partner with them. And you're going to see those students, grades, their behaviors grow. You're going to see them blossom into the young man or woman, productive citizen that we always knew that they could be. What are your thoughts? Man, I was looking for an alarm because you were on your soapbox for a little bit too long. And I was trying to bit. sound the alarm for you to get off of it. But um, teachers, like you said, we do have our idiosyncrasies and we bring those to our classrooms. But one thing we need to keep in mind is that parents expect teachers to love and respect their children just as much as they do. They expect them to be treated how the parents, their parents will treat them. And we need to keep the golden rule in mind. And also keep in mind that teachers have a job to do. And parents send us the best that they have. They don't send us, you know, their worst. They send us their best. And if they could send us any better, I think they would do that. Of course, of course. 
Moving along. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Attribute number six. Digital age teachers are hopeful about the future of education. Digital age teachers, they don't think that the future of education is something to dread. They think it's something to be embraced. They're excited about the the new possibilities that the future of education is going to bring. They're excited about the new technologies. They're excited about the new devices. They're excited about the new concepts, the new things that are going to you know come into fruition. What do you think? Um, I think that the focus on the future or hopefulness about the future needs to be coupled with the past. We need to be focused on the future and keep an air or keep our mind in the past also. Because Horace Mann and John Dewey, Maria Montessori, all the foundational educational theorists have a lot to lend to this generation that we have. And they set the they've set the foundation for where education needs to go. It's just that in the future we have different means to get there. I wouldn't want, you know, Horace Mann to roll over in his grave thinking about where education is gone or John Dewey the same way. I could definitely get on board with that. Are you a teacher who can't get around to teaching because you spend most of your time responding to misbehavior? If you are, I would try Behave Yourself Johnny, the world's most comprehensive behavior management software. To request a free demo, visit www.behaveyourselfjohnny.com. This isn't a real ad, and there's no education company named Behave Yourself Johnny, but the preceding ad space could be filled by your company and a unique ad about your products and services. To find out more, email us at advocatefored at gmail.com. Moving right along, digital age teachers are resilient. Being a teacher, you're going to get so much flack from students misbehaving, not doing their assignments, parents blaming you, administrators blaming you, the community leaders blaming you, that you're just not going to be equipped to deal with it. However, I promise you, if you keep going, if you keep working, there's going to be something great on the other side. So digital age teachers are resilient. We're going to get knocked down 100, 200 times as teachers, but we have to keep getting up. We can't get burned out. We can't leave the profession. We have to be a beacon of light and hope for these students who are looking to transcend their conditions. So you have to be resilient. You have to find a way to make it. You have to find a way to get past all of the, the, the negative things that come along with a career as a teacher. What do you think? I call them make it work moments. You're in the classroom, you're in, in those four walls. It's you and the students. There may be adversity, but there are also moments where you just have to make it work. Just put your head down, move forward, and do what you have to do. Because ultimately, you're going to be held responsible for what goes on in your classroom. You're going to be held responsible for the education of your students. And you just have to shrug your shoulders, put your head down, and press on. Amen. So the final attribute, attribute number eight, digital age teachers know how to relax. 
So because of all of these things that are going to be hurled at you because of all of the stress, because of all of the fingers that are going to be pointing themselves towards you, you're going to have to know how to relax. Because if you let all of that stress, all of that tension, all of the activities of the day to wear down on you, you're going to end up burning out, leaving the profession or worse, going crazy. So during the day, during the school day, you have to find little times, little periods to maybe have a snack, to unwind, to scream, to just be by yourself. When you go home, you have to have hobbies. You have to have activities. You have to have family members that you like to hang with. You have to have a support system to help you get through those tough years, those tough days, those tough weeks, those tough months, those tough periods. You have to have outlets. And I alluded to having hobbies, but, you know, go out and catch the next Saints football game or go to a mud wrestling contest, go to the circus, whatever you do to de-stress, do that. Go for a walk, go lift some weights, uh, do P90X, do CrossFit, whatever you have to do to de-stress and decompress, do it because you're going to need it. Hold on. Did you say go to mud wrestling? Sure. (laughs) Okay, I know you from the Pine Belt, but I didn't know they had mud wrestling down there. Attribute number five, digital age teachers don't bring their prejudice into the classroom or into the podcast. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you got you coming out guard with mud wrestling. I'm sorry. Um, but also, um, I used to like going on walks when during my planning period. I'd go when I taught high school, I'd go to the gym and watch the students play basketball. When I taught elementary, my students would play kickball. I get out there and play kickball with them. Um, anything to break up the monotony and alleviate some stress. A lot of people don't. A lot of people need to understand that going outside and exercising really helps when you bring in that oxygen into your body. And students need it, and teachers need it also. How did you um, relax when you were in school? Besides going to Miss Johnson's room down the hall on your planning period. Well, first of all, I I hope the students are able to breathe oxygen because we kind of need that to live, just so you know. But, I mean, the way that I would just unwind is, hey, if I needed a break to go to the restroom or get a sip of water or decompress or make a phone call, just calling to the office, getting an administrative assistant or a tutor or even the principal or vice principal to come to relieve me. And that's very important. You have to have a principal that understands that teachers are in the classroom with 20 to 30, 35 students at all times. And no adult can spend that much time in a closed space with that amount of students without needing just a second to decompress, have a drink of water, have a snack or something um, like that. So that's, that's kind of the way I used to deal with it. Matthew, we have a KIR moment. You know what KIR stands for? No, I don't. Keep it real. If you sat in your room and waited for an administrator to come relieve you, how long would it have been before they came? It doesn't it matter. I, I kind of don't see what you're getting at. It would take forever. I could not count on the administrator coming to my room to let me go get some water or go use a, set, use a phone or go 
to the restroom because it'll take them forever to get there. But that's kind of what I was talking about. Administrators that are on top of their job, they already have a system in place. So if a teacher needs to be relieved, the only thing that they have to do is simply push a button, speak to somebody in the office, and from there, somebody would dispatch an adult to their classroom to relieve them. And keep in mind, during that time, all principals and administrators and also the administrative assistant and tutors, they walked around with walkie-talkies to be able to communicate with each other. I don't know what your experiences are, but that's just kind of the way things worked in the buildings that I was um, happy or glad to actually be a part of. Okay, so I must have been, I would be in the buildings where you wouldn't have been happy to be a part of them because that would never happen where I was, where I taught. I understand. I'm sorry for that. We apologize. But you know what? That's about it. We've talked about eight attributes that digital ways teachers need in order to make it in this particular educational climate. I hope you all enjoyed it. This is our first podcast. We're going to be bringing you all many, many more. Every week we want to get better. Every week we want to bring you something new. So you all have a great day. If you're a company and you would like to advertise on or sponsor one of our shows, let us know. If you would like to be a guest on one of our shows, let us know. You can simply email us at advocatefored at gmail.com.